know, live, you know, be excellent, bring value, be professional, you know, carry yourself with respect and dignity. And if a car, a company does, doesn't want to hire you, you know what, you turn your head, you start your own thing or you find another company. Because the thing is like, you know, if, if they want you to change your hair just to be hired, what else are they going to want you to change? I'm your host, Walter Gaynor II, and I would like to welcome you to Boss Locks, a show where we are redefining professionalism by proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now you're about to hear the second pilot episode from Boss Locks. We recorded it last year, and you might actually hear a little bit more confidence in my voice as I speak to Dr. Abasi Bomani. Uh, he shares his uh, journey to becoming a doctor, how to take care of your mind and body, and why he would never cut his hair to please an employer. Um, it was a really great conversation. And before we start the show, I also want to thank Dr. Abasi, uh, not only for doing this podcast, but for continuing to provide healthcare services during this COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, there are a lot of people making sacrifices right now to make sure we come out of this the best we can. And I would like to thank Dr. Abasi and really all of our essential workers, non-essential workers, families, communities, and everyone who's really doing their part to help us get through this. So uh, without any further ado, thank you all for listening and I hope you enjoy our show. Welcome to Boss Locks. My name is Walter Gaynor II, and I have the privilege of speaking to Dr. Abbasi Bomani. Dr. Bomani, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm blessed, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being out. Yes, man. Thanks for joining us on an early Sunday morning. I appreciate that. I know yeah. busy man. Sleep is important. Yeah. So uh, before we dive into everything, I just want to ask you, what are three things that most people just don't know about you? Um, three things people probably wouldn't know is that, uh, I, I mean, I grew up in a music household, so I'm, I'm always, you know, I play the piano, the congas, a little bit of trumpet. So, you know, other oh, really? than, yeah, yeah. Other than that, you know, the whole left brain thing, I'm definitely a, a pretty creative and artistic. It's the creative side. Yeah. Right. Um, another thing is kind of the thing that, you know, got me through you know, this journey is a uh, meditation and like mindfulness. That's a big part of my life. Um, so that's, oh, yeah? You know, yeah, yeah. I'm an avid meditator. So, you know, all throughout medical school, I mean, that's kind of the thing that kept me, you know, just, just lucid and, and being able to deal with that stress and deal with all that information, the constant study and, you know, um, yeah. Mm. And uh, I guess another thing, I'm I'm a fitness dude, you know. I I think that uh, exercise and um, it obviously, you know, people feel like it's important, but you know, to me, it's I, I've played sports all my life, so it's it's you know, it's important for me, especially moving forward as a you know, being a physician. That to me is like hand in hand. You know, you can't have right. you know healthy eating and you know without exercise to me you know it's yeah, not you can't about, talk about it unless you live it yeah yeah no for real exactly and, and unfortunately you know <laughs> there are a lot of people who who talk but don't you know don't walk the walk all right so what's what sports did you play uh i played baseball when i was younger um mm -hmm. i played baseball since about four until uh, i graduated from high school then played a little bit of football in high school so you know i was always real busy with that very active yeah. 
Yeah, I played soccer kind of from like elementary school. I got to play a little bit in college too. Oh, so wow. Definitely, okay. um, yeah, it was great. So I definitely had to stay at that fitness mindset. Like once you are an athlete as well, you kind of keep that up in everyday life. For sure. Yeah. So kind of go back to the music household. What, can you explain what that was like? Like were your parents um, musicians or? Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, my dad's a, you know, saxophonist. Uh, he actually has an album. Oh, nice. Yeah, but that, oh, really? that was yeah he he uh he dropped that album in in the maybe early two thousands when I was a kid, and uh, it's called View of the World. If, if anyone listening or who will listen or if you want to listen, uh, his name is Quanti Bomani, and it's a View of the World. <laughs> shout view of the World, Quanti Bomani. Yeah, shout out. We'll put the for the link. We'll try to find it. Put the link out on the two notes. Definitely. That's yeah, really cool, man. saxophone. Man. Yeah, so you know, it was all I was always waking up to uh, to jazz because he's a jazz musician. So you know, I'd wake up to him playing piano or playing sax. So you know, that's just kind of like you know imbued that nice. spirit of music in me, man. So yeah, all right, man. So um, and also speak a little bit about meditation. Like what? I guess what got you into that? Man, I feel like you know, being from the Bay Area, that's where I'm from. I'm from Berkeley. You know, that kind of um, that kind of mindset on meditative living, spiritual living is kind of already in the air. But I started when I was in college and mm-hmm. um, I just kind of fell into it, man. And, you know, I just think that when you start on the path, you know, books and information and people just start coming your way, and you know, to help you on your journey. And I feel like that's just how it was. Like, I just, you know, I just kind of fell into it, man. And to me, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, meditation is, is, uh, is just a way to become more well, more aware of God within, you know, God within yourself, God within your body, God within your mind and your heart. So, you know, it's just like that's, uh, you know, with that aspect, it's to me, is there's not many more things that um, can give you much more satisfaction, you know, than doing that every day and just attuning, mm. you know, becoming one. So that's interesting. I feel so. Um... My dad, especially, very into meditation. He's used mm-hmm. it to really kind of similar to what you found, like kind of find uh, who he is within, the God within. And I know he mm-hmm. kind of helped him with this, like stuttering as well. And it's funny you actually say that because just recently a uh, kind of mentor of mine recommended I get back into meditation because I was like kind of all over the place just trying to, and it really does help kind of calm you, kind of focus in and see that end goal. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And you say you were able to use it in school as well? Oh man, what man? Because you know, you know, medical school people hear about, but I feel like unless you know someone who's in medical mm-hmm. school, it's just the sheer amount. It's not that it's difficult. I think it's just the sheer amount of information that you have to uh, remember and regurgitate, mm-hmm. and then it's just the 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 marathon aspect of it all because it doesn't you know it doesn't end in a year or two years. You know, it's just this marathon. You have to keep plugging and chugging. So. It never I, stops. Yeah, yeah, it definitely <laughs> never stops. But, uh, you know, I think meditation just allowed me to kind of, you know, just see it from a different perspective and not get caught up in my mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, it's just, it, you know, it's just another test. It's just another, another yeah, test. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, I have to succeed. and Yeah, I have to prepare and do well. But, you know, for that aspect, every, we all do in some, whatever we're doing. So, um, you know, I think it's just like you said, it, it calms your mind. It just allows you to have a, a, a greater perspective that's not based in totally in ego, but more based in just, you know, just objective reality. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of talked about like the kind of everything to carry being a medical student. I study kind of business and marketing in college, and I definitely Ooh. stress. But I always remember like any time I was around the med student, I'd be like, man. There's nothing compared to what you have to go through, and it just doesn't <laughs> stop. For me, it's over after four years, but you have to keep going. Yeah. That's really cool, yeah. And um, speaking on that, I want to congratulate you because I saw one of your posts um, that you were matched. Yeah. Um, uh, program. Uh, can you kind of explain exactly what that means for you? And, um, yeah, what, what exactly does that mean for you? Um. Okay. Well, man, that yeah, it's – it's huge, man, because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you spend all this time, these four years just for that one moment, really, to transverse mm-hmm. into the next plane. And it's like, man, you know, because um, to share, I uh, so you have to take board exams. Your first, your second year, you take step one. And your third and fourth year, which are your clinical years, you take um, step two CK and step two CS, right? And uh, so I... I failed step two CK, which is not uncommon because it's a difficult oh, yeah. test. It's like nine hours, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to take the year off. So I was kind of devastated, you know, and I was in like a, I was in a low place, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, and uh, I learned a lot from that year though, because, you know, you just have to learn to pick yourself up and just keep going because failure is just feedback, um, you know, of what you're doing or what you're not doing. So, wow. you know, that that whole year just proved very very uh, influential and, and, and very necessary for me. So matching moving forward, like mm-hmm. I, I posted another post on Instagram of things I wrote down, of goals that I, I wanted to reach. You know, I wrote them down and I followed through, and that you know all those came into fruition. You know, by you know just staying the course and you know having the tenacity to want them to manifest. And you know, so matching to me was like, damn, yo, I, I actually did it. And, you know, through all the, you know, the struggles and the ups and downs and the adversities, like, damn, I'm, you know, I, I did it. You did it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Double congratulations. Not only did you make it, you had to stumble first and then come back and get it. That's even bigger, yeah. bigger achievement. That's amazing. So, yeah. And I did see that post where you kind of write, wrote down your goals. I was looking at that. It said like, uh, what was it? Like you had to study um, basically all day, nine hours a day. Um do like um, 80 questions, read an hour a day, take two practices a day. Was this an everyday thing for you? Yeah, pretty much every day. I, I, have, I have a really good friend, and, and she was like, you don't study nine hours a day. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but that was my goal, though. It, it was definitely like it was definitely like seven, you know, six or seven. So. But, uh, yeah, man, I tried to, you tried to follow that to the T, and, and uh, you know, so I was successful. So, obviously, it worked. So. For anybody, yeah, it worked out. For who needs to, uh, you know, have a goal, just you know, that write the whole thing about writing it down and following through is real. It's very real. Real. Wow. Yeah, my my dad talks about that a lot. Really, just kind of mm-hmm. imagining it, putting it down on paper, and mm-hmm. like having the kind of following that list when it's written down. You see it, you more likely to live it. That's crazy. Yeah. Man, nine hours a day. They always talk about like if you want to be like the LeBron James or Steph Curry, you really have to put in that ten thousand hours and you definitely did that. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So was there did you take a different approach your second time around? Yeah, I think I was uh, I was much more focused and I think it mm-hmm. was my back was against the wall. It was kind of necessity. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that when your back is against the wall, it kind of really reveals who you really are um, mm. in regards to adversity because, 
you know, I could have, if I, if I didn't make it, then I would have, you know, had this kind of crushing debt and, you know, I would have had to figure something else out. I mean, I could have definitely applied next round, but you know, the more times you fail a test or if you mm -hmm. don't match, it just makes it that much harder to match the next round just because, you know, just a you know, probability because there are just so many programs who won't even um, look at your application if you, you know, don't meet certain criteria like first time passing or, you know, this or that. So, yeah. Man. So when it comes to matching, I guess what all plays into it, let's say like you didn't make it. You said these programs won't even really look at you if you don't pass. Like, so was there like no other options for you? Um, so there are certain programs, like, and so I'm an IMG, which is called International Medical Graduate, which just means that I went to a medical school, even though it's U.S. medical school, their campus was in Dominica in the Caribbean. Now it's in Barbados, but the school I went to was Ross University School of Medicine. So in the States, there are certain residency programs who are not uh, what we call IMG friendly, right? So they, they're mm -hmm. not really taking a whole lot of IMGs, uh, but there are programs who do. So, so... So what I mean when I say there are certain programs that uh, will won't even will flag your application, basically it won't get through. It's like programs like that who will not, don't take IMGs, and then there are programs who don't take people who um, did not pass uh, step two CPA on the first attempt. So you know what I'm saying. So it just starts to limit your programs. So mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I I thankfully had uh, enough programs and enough choices, you know, and uh, you know I'm, I'm definitely will be am at the residency that I'm meant to be at for sure. But, you know, some people don't make it. And, you know, for those people, man, keep your head up and, you know, keep pushing, you know, but, um, yeah, man. So it's like, you made it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't make it, then you have to apply the next round and that's a whole year. So that's why it's also devastating. Because oh, wow. Have, yeah. Yeah. So you have to like find something to do, you know, to make you look more clinically relevant. Then you have to, you know, make some money, obviously. Yeah. Right. So it's like it, it kind of it kind of puts you in a definitely a jam. Mm-hmm. A tough place to be. Wow. So you really came through. Very nice. The power of meditation and kind of writing those goals down came out. Nice. Yeah. Appreciate you. Man. Yeah. So what drew you to this kind of a uh, kind of crazy path you're taking? Like what <laughs> what inspired you to kind of follow medicine? Oh man. You know I don't remember this, but you know my sisters and. People would say that I said I wanted to be a doctor when I was younger. I don't even remember any of that. But um, I think mm -hmm. as I became to come of age, and uh, truthfully, my dad was like, doctor or lawyer, which one? Mm. And, and I was like, all right, there's no way in hell I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so so I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a doctor because that it fits my personality. And then also on, you know, more um, – innate side is the body has a just innate capacity to heal like we, we you know we call ourselves healers but really we don't mm -hmm. we don't do the healing you know this this the the power of the body and the spirit of the body does the healing we just you know we try to create the environment so that can happen really when it comes mm -hmm. down to it so we're really just facilitators when it comes down to it so that aspect of you know just just changing the environment to me is just very is very interesting and it, it draws me in and then it's the fact that you know people in america especially black people and people in lower you know um socioeconomic you know statuses just tend to suffer from certain health 
um, and diseases that just aren't, you know, just our lifestyle diseases. And it doesn't mm-hmm. need to happen like that, man. Heart disease is the number one killer. You know, your top 10 killers, you got diabetes up there, you got cancer, you got heart disease, you know, you got, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it, it, those, those are completely preventable, honestly. And um, we don't have to live like that. So it's kind of like me seeing that is like, okay, well, that kind of makes me feel like I can make a difference because part of that is just education and exposure, you know, because people, mm-hmm. people learn that they, okay, well, eating this way can cause downstream these effects. Well, maybe I don't want to eat this way because maybe I don't want to live my life, you know, crippled. Maybe I just want to make it to 80 or 90 and living free and be able to jog and be able to walk in the park without having this wrong with me. You know what I'm saying? Or be able to mm-hmm. run a marathon, you know, with my kid because I, one of my friend's best, dad, one of my best friend's dad, he's a, he just turned 61, man. And he runs Tough Mudders. I don't know if you ever heard of Tough Mudders, but you probably have. Right. He runs tough mud. Like the yeah, it's like, like the Spartan race. Where yeah, it's like kind of yeah. Going all the all the nature, all the forces. Yeah, that's right. It's like a ten mile obstacle course. And um, wow, yeah, but he runs that. He runs marathons and he runs that. Sixty one years old. Yeah, man, he's a beast. <laughs> but it's like you know he took care of himself, and that that's mm-hmm. an example of what happens when we take care of ourselves. Is that this idea of aging is a very um new phenomenon just you know of course the body ages but this idea of being like decrepit and crippled and you know can't move and you know what i'm saying like that's just not yeah. akin to the human body because it's it's made to move it's made for locomotion so um yeah i don't you know i make it my goal to in the future to just you know expose and educate and push people towards the preventative side of medicine of eating well and taking mm-hmm. care of themselves so they really don't need to you know so they really don't need a doctor at the end of the day you know what I'm oh, saying? really yeah i mean honestly you know um you do need a doctor for some things because that's just the nature of the you know society we live in but the thing is if you're if you're doing your part if you're living well if you're eating well if you're eating plant-based and you know if you're exercising and you're you're doing things <clears throat> so that your stress doesn't overcome you you know what I'm saying? All those simple, basic things that everybody knows that we need to be doing, but somehow there's inhibition because there's no um, immediate gratification. You know what I'm saying? The, the gratification mm. is long-term. And so people have trouble seeing long-term uh, gratification and, and then therefore doing the things that are going to push them towards that. So, Wow. So like... Yeah, eating apple today obviously won't necessarily see the effect, but kind of continuing that, exactly making a habit. That's interesting. Yeah, hmm. because your youth, your youth, you know, it, it will mask what's going on with your body. You know, because you're you're young, you're exuberant, you're vibrant, you have energy, you 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 know, you heal faster. You know, and that plaque and that cholesterol hasn't built up in your arteries. You know what I'm saying? Your arteries aren't hard, you know. But 20 20 years down the line, things are going to change. Your body starts to, you know, move a little slower. So it's just like all that stuff that you did, all that that eating, the improper eating that you did is going to catch up with you. So why not start Mm -hmm. now and build the foundation, you know what I'm saying, build the discipline so that later, you know, you're good. Mm -hmm. So what are – so as you're saying this, I'm starting to think like, man, oh man, I feel like I'm not really paying that much attention. Do I need to like what? But at the same time, like, what do I need to do? Because I don't necessarily want to like give up everything. But um, but you did mention there's some simple things we can do. 
Yeah. Uh, what are one of those simple things that we can start doing today and continuing that will Man, help us with our Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the simplest things to start doing today and help with the path is really, I tell everybody this, you know, eat some greens, but like eat one big bowl of, of greens a day. And I don't mean lettuce, I mean like spinach, Swiss chard, kale, collard greens, you know, like the, the, the greens that grow from the ground that are that are packed with phytonutrients. And, uh, you know, these, these compounds and chemicals, which are very powerful and have powerful effects on your body you know, and have a plethora of antioxidants, of vitamins and minerals, you know, those, that's really important. And we, you know, mm -hmm. we kind of overlook that, um, but that's really important. So that's what I would say starting for everyone. You know, I, I told, man, I told a friend one time, he was asking me how to lose weight. And I was like, dude, just eat one big bowl of greens every day. That's just it. for lunch. As a meal. As a meal. Exactly. As a meal, big bowl of greens. You know what I'm saying? At, you know, get your dressing, add, you know, some beans in it if you if you feel like you're not going to be full. But just you got to increase, you know, I, I think it's better to focus on incorporation than elimination. Because I think if you focus on incorporation of more plant-based items, naturally, you know, you're going to less, want less of what else you're eating. You know what I'm saying? Especially mm. if you're eating something that's really fatty or greasy. Like it, it might taste good to you at that time. But I think the more you purify your body and the more you allow yourself to eat things that are actually nutritious for your body, you start feeling the difference between what you eat. You eat a salad, greens, you feel good. You eat that other thing that you've been eating and you're like, oh, shit, I'm, that, you know, that doesn't feel so good. So mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's a natural progression. So I think that's one thing that, that everybody could do every day. Um, that would really, really be a huge benefit. Nice. One big bowl of greens is a meal. Spinach, collard greens. That doesn't sound too bad. Okay. So what's one uh, or give us like two other kind of keys we can start implementing? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I think you got cut out. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you give us like two other kind of steps we can start mm. taking to live that happy, healthy life? Absolutely. I think um, I think getting uh, also getting active. Um, however, active. yeah, man, however you want to get active, get in the gym, do yoga, go on hikes, play soccer, just get active because I think it's a, it's a, like a stone rolling down a hill. You know, you have to get it moving. You have to get some momentum. And, uh, once you do that, it kind of just encourages you to keep eating healthy, to keep moving because it makes you feel good. And that's mm -hmm. kind of one of the things that, you know, gives us motivation that we what we're doing makes us feel good. It's positive feedback. So, you know, you have to make mm -hmm. yourself feel good. And then, you you know, it's just incentive to keep moving forward. So it's so exercise, really getting, getting moving. And then um, an, another thing, um, besides the diet, I think that having some kind of like um, spiritual or meditative um, mindfulness, something like that, that just allows you to be stress-free because stress is kind of like that that um underlying killer you know and because uh, mm -hmm. the, the stress hormone cortisol you need it in your body it performs a lot of functions but when it's unchecked it's just it's, it's, it wreaks havoc on your system man and, and in america we live in daily stress you know 
Um, so it's, it's, it's stress in, in the air because it's toxins in the air. It's stress from the food because the food causes inflammation. You know, it's stress out in the environment because there's so much noise and so much, you know, just commotion. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. until you retire to a place that's very quiet, like you go on vacation, you're on the beach, you kind of then you kind of realize like that's not really life. You know what I'm saying? Life is, I mean, the myriad of aspects, but I think that uh, having that quiet time and having that peace, that peace of mind really does a lot for a person's spirit and therefore a person's body because um, the body and the spirit, you know, and the mind are are all connected. So, you know, you can't have chaos in your environment and then expect your, you know, your body to be extremely healthy. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, I think that's all important. I really like each of those uh, for different reasons. I feel as though they're all something we could start doing today, like the eating healthy, just one big bowl of, uh, bowl of greens. You mentioned like you don't have to stop kind of eating a burger or fries, just start like implementing some other things into it as well. That's something I mean, like spinach, collard greens, we all have them for like, Thanksgiving and everything. So that's definitely something we can start putting in then getting active kind of going on like walks soccer running yoga um, there's plenty of ways to get active as well and it could just be as simple as like a quick 10 minute walk to start off That's with right. and then and then the meditative mindset and kind of eliminating stress like that because i feel as though we're kind of in this realm where like mental health is becoming a bigger and bigger Ooh. topic and we're seeing it in a lot of different places and i feel as though stress is a big can be a big factor when it comes to like your mental kind of stability. Um, do you, kind of as you're studying health, do you, or has your studies taken you down like a um, focus on mental health? You know, it, it, it's funny you say it because I used to want to go into psychiatry because I felt like there was something I could add to psychiatry in, in injecting like the mindfulness and meditation in there. And uh, mm-hmm. I chose family medicine, which you do get your great deal of uh, of dealing with certain things like depression and, and anxiety. And, um, you know, I, uh, that's kind of where I also want to, you know, have some effect, but probably with that, like meditative and mindfulness living and actually my plan is really just to, you know, to go out into communities and to kind of just, you know, have some workshops and things like that and just give people tools. So that, that was, that's definitely one of the tools that I would give. And I would give that because it's something that you can always have as an arsenal for yourself. And, you know, going through this process of medical school, like, you know, I, you, you know, when you're stressed, you know, but mm-hmm. like, okay, let me sit down and meditate. And then, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, I just have a, it's like I have a new lease on life, you know, I have a different perspective, (laughs) my stress, you know, so it's like, you don't have to live with this stress. I just think we just, we don't know other means. So we turn to other things, you know, we turn to food, you know, some people have Mm. some stress and trauma in their life that they turn to drugs or they turn to violence, you know what I'm saying? So we're looking Mm -hmm. for something to, to ease that, to, to fill the void, but I think turning inside and, you know, with mindfulness and meditation, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, it, it really does. It does help. I'm not saying it's a panacea, but it really does help. And that's what we're looking for, help, right? So. Wow. So how can someone kind of get started with meditation and maybe someone who's never done it before? Absolutely. And I think the best thing is just, you know, to sit down in an environment that you, 
feel comfortable in and it's quiet mm-hmm. and just really just focus on your breathing man because breath is life right we, you know we, it, when breath expires from the from the body death begins this chapter so you know just mm-hmm. focus on the breath going in your nose and out your nose and breathe correctly and correct breathing means that when you inspire your abdomen pushes outward away from your body and then when you expire your abdomen sucks inside you know sucking your belly button towards your spine and that's really correct breathing because it allows your lungs to expand downwards and so therefore you you know you get more air um and we need oxygen because you know <laughs> oxygen is, right <laughs> yeah that is a lifeline <laughs> yeah that, that is that is man but you'd be surprised how many people you know you can tell a person's mental state from their breathing you know mm-hmm. some people who are calm tend to breathe slower and and you know people who are hyped up or you know or anger or you know these other emotions um tend to breathe faster so if you can control your breath then you can control your mind state and you can kind of be more aware of your surroundings and how you feel inside so in saying that if you sit down and practice just breathing and being focused on your breath you get that benefit you know, but you also get the benefit of focusing your mind because what will, what will happen when you sit down and focus on your breath is that your mind is going to wander, you know, mm. and that's going to happen for everybody. But through repeated exercise and through repeated trying, your mind will not wander anymore and uh, you'll be able to really focus on your breath for longer periods of time. And that's what's really called meditation when you're not, uh. you know, so engrossed in your thoughts and you're in the moment because that's really what that's the only thing there is truly interesting that is interesting because like definitely um i know the mind is kind of like kind of when you start thinking of things when you start just sit down you might just get caught back up with yeah. your daily day-to-day tasks so it might not work the first time but kind of that um kind of making it a habit right kind of leads you down that your mind will just take you down the meditative route that's nice very cool and you mentioned kind of going into the community and I want to hear a little bit more about that because I feel as though, and you also talked about like um, how information like really what kind of separates us from the healthy life is not having that information. And I like what you said, going to communities because you're really kind of bridging the gap. And that's one thing with uh, box locks and everything I do. I like to kind of serve as that bridge between information so that everyone has that same access. So, can you talk about a little bit how you imagine yourself going into communities? Man, I just, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point you made, man, and um, about access. And, yeah, I mean, I just see myself having, like, workshops in the communities and, um, you know, fairs, but more so just, like, workshops, something, something really free that people can go to to just get some information on, you know, just let me present this these ideas to you, you know what I'm saying? Like about Mm -hmm. what you're eating, about how that causes this and how that can cause that. Because ideally you go to your doctor and you're in there for 15 or 20 minutes, but that's not enough time to really educate you or disseminate information to get you thinking, to give you some agency for your own self. You know what I'm saying? So my idea is I want to go out, you know, have these, have these talks, have these workshops, you know, you know, bring some, healthy meals, you know, and, and really demonstrate, you know, how to cook, how to prepare some things, the benefit of eating these things, um, you know, how to meditate, how to mindfulness, 
you know, what exercise, because I'm also a personal trainer, so what exercises to do, you know what I'm saying? And like you said, that, that access okay. to me is like, yo, is that yeah. exposure and that information is, is gold because my idea is I want you to be healthy. You know what I'm saying? I want you to have your mm -hmm. own agency and to be control of your own destiny as much as possible. So you need information to do that because I, I am I went through medical school, so therefore I got the the training to be able to look at information and sort through it. But there's so much there's so much information on the internet about quote unquote what is healthy and what is not healthy that I it it's very confused it can be very confusing and, and a lot and overwhelming. So um, you know, like I said, just giving that access and into that, you know, into that world and just the ability to step through it and be like, okay, well, we don't have to have a lot of money to be healthy, which is a misconception. Hmm. You have to change what you're eating, you know, by bulk. If you want to eat fancy gourmet, um, you know, vegan food or healthy food, then yeah, it's going to be expensive. Gourmet food is expensive anywhere, but if you want to eat lentils and black beans and pinto beans, kidney beans and kale and, you know, Swiss chard and, you know, and fruits, then that, that's actually relatively treat cheap because you can buy in bulk you know wow so that's, i'm glad you brought that up actually because i think that's i think maybe one of the most popular kind of reasons to not eat healthy uh, everyone thinks about organic and we think about like whole foods and places mm. like that where you know you might have to spend half your check just to eat healthy <laughs> and like for a lot of people that's not an option like right. why do that when i can just get something right here it's a lot faster one cheaper it feeds everyone so but you mentioned a couple of things like lentils, kidney beans, and kale. So really just kind of going to the grocery store you're already going to, kind of picking something else up won't break your bank. That's one step you could take to um, uh, have a better diet. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, definitely beans because beans are very nutritious, man. They, you know, you add them with some grains, they're complete protein. Um, they have tons of phytonutrients that have antioxidants, you know, that are going to obviously help your body make you feel better um but i think the thing is also is like you know you can shop at whole foods but whole foods is known to be expensive because it is very expensive but there are other places that you can shop at um no matter what city you're in um international markets which um they're in about a lot of cities you know in about every city um you know aldi uh, is very popular but aldi you know, mm. I, I don't know. I know they're a European uh, store, but Aldi is actually very cheap. And, you know, I, I recently read something that they're going to expand their market to only organic farms. Um, so it's like, you know, Aldi is a pretty cheap place to buy fruits and vegetables and things you need. And now they're expanding to being organic. So that's an option. Um, and then, of course, farmers markets and actually buying from farms. So that idea of, yeah, like you said, eating healthy is it's expensive it's just i think it's just misinformation but mm -hmm. if you know how to do it it can be less expensive and then therefore you won't feel the need to you know will say oh man well i can go to mcdonald's or i can you know get this and this for much cheaper you know mm -hmm. but it's going to cost you much more later so nice and that's really big, all these strictly going to organic farms, because you're right. They actually actually have started to shop at Aldi's, and it is, like, I found that some things are, like, similar price to, mm -hmm. like, price similarly to Walmart, and sometimes even cheaper, and it's good quality food. So that's really cool. They can continue that practice, but just raising the bar for quality, that's, that's pretty impressive.
Yeah, and they really are popping up all over the place too. <laughs> they really so. are, yeah. Yeah, taking over. We're going to take a quick break to tell you about Rapalock. Rapalock is a hairstyling tool and technique that creates curls, spirals, and waves on natural and locked hair. This tool can be worn undetectable in the hair as a style, and when removed, your curls will blossom. One of my favorite things about Rapalock is that this patented and professionally made product was created by black women. So not only can you wear Rapalock while going about your daily activities without worrying about looking unprofessional, when you place your order, you're also supporting a black and woman-owned business. So if you'd like to learn more or go ahead and place your order, please visit the link in our description or the show notes on our website to get Rapalock, the dual hair styling tool. Thank you. Now back to our show. Nice. Now I want to pivot a little bit sure. and talk about kind of the work environment. So um, part of what we're doing here is talking about natural hair and diversity in these professional environments and kind of breaking through to shine the light on some things. So to kind of speak on you a little bit more, um, how long have you had your locks? I had my locks for about seven years since uh, 2012. Seven years? Yeah. Oh, because you've had it throughout school and as you're going to this residence, you can continue wearing them. That's right. Nice. So to you, would you refer to your hair as a hairstyle or a lifestyle? Um, I think it's, you know what? I think it's a hairstyle, really, because if I didn't have the hair, I still would be living this lifestyle of the frame of mind that I have with this hair. But I will say that, um, you know, I guess it could be considered both because um, <laughs> I think that the commitment um you know, to having my hair grown because I had short hair all my life. But I think it does, mm -hmm. it kind of, for me, it kind of just expanded my mind um, as far as allowing myself to grow with my hair. You know what I'm saying? Like you allow your, your hair to grow. You're, you're going to deal with some, uh, some things in your life that you just have to, you know, grow through. And I think that's kind of the thing with the hair that's kind of allowed me to see you just kind of keep growing, man. The hair is just going to keep growing. And um, at this point in time, I'm like, there's no need for me to cut it uh, because I love my mm. hair and uh, I wouldn't cut it for anybody. That's not how I was raised, um, you know? So, yeah. You say that again to get cut a little bit. You oh, say you love your hair. I, I, I said I love my hair and I wouldn't cut it for anybody. And that's how I was raised, you know, is to be unapologetically yourself. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Glad you said that because I know, um, though me myself, I've been in, I've had a lot of people recommend that I cut it mm. and it kind of comes out of a place of love. It's really people in my own community, which is interesting mm. um, because they kind of have that fear of like, you know, you are this great person, you can do a lot, but this hair might hold you back. Uh, so kind of as you pursue your kind of path, your career, kind of going into medicine, um, how do you, do you see your hair becoming a, I guess, a problem? No, I don't think it's a problem at all. And uh, I actually, honestly, I don't even think about my hair most times. You know what I'm saying? Like I, when I, you know, when I enter a patient room or I meet an attending or I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think about, I'm not really conscious of my hair. You know what I'm saying? I'm conscious of when other people say anything about it, but even that is 
they don't say much and to me it's it's just my hair you know what i'm saying and mm. if we're you know other other races whose hair grows a different way can wear their hair that way so i just feel like this is how my hair grows you know so it, it's neat it's probably cleaner than yours i mean that's just how i feel <laughs> because of the because of the fact that uh, of the maintenance it requires so mm-hmm. really um you know it's no it's no need for me to feel any type of type of way about my hair because really at the end of the day um i think that people are like you go into medicine you go into law or you go into whatever you're going to your ability to solve problems and bring value is more important than any any uh, anything else i think when it comes down to it anything else mm-hmm. if they focus on my hair or somebody focuses on my hair that's just petty and that just tells me that you're insecure with yourself um mm. really when it comes down to it wow so when you're in these rooms you first walk in as you a bossy bamani here to solve a problem and provide value yeah you know yeah exactly yeah i step in and you know i'm you know of course i think of myself as a black man um you know first and foremost so i'm already aware of that i'm already aware of you know who's looking at me how they looking at me how he get up in this space you know what i'm saying like you know all, all those mm-hmm. questions that are honestly you know to be frank you know people are asking and you know who's this person mm-hmm. with this locks he got this md you know what i'm saying but to me that's 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 powerful because you know a lot of us aren't in these spaces anyways right so that's right you know when we come when we get in these spaces and we you know my locks are about down on my back you know middle of my back oh really oh yeah and um so it's like you know i'm like yeah what's up i did the same thing you did you know what i'm saying and i got the same Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so um and i'm a black man so obviously there's just other hurdles you know and other battles that i have to experience that you may never even experience so you know, to me, mm-hmm. it's it's important for me to be in this space with locks because then another person, you know, who sees me, maybe another young man who has locks or is, you know, maybe afraid to grow locks can see me and be like, yeah, okay, well, he's in it, you know, and he, you know, and he is, it doesn't seem like it's an issue. So therefore I could do it. And I think that's important because that's just exposure, man. You know, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to conform to them. You know, this is not, you know, this is not the twenties where, you know, we were so chastised and we were so cut out of everything. Um, you know, and this is 2019 and, and we may, we are still chastised and cut out of everything, but at least we have some access to be able to, um, you know, be in these spaces and own our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were right. You touched on a couple of things. One, um, kind of the exposure piece of it as well. Cause I, I would say for me, one of the, I feel as though in some ways I could be a little stubborn. My sister like my sibling likes to say that a lot. But um I think also I've kept my hair more so kind of when kind of challenge to cut it and everything, I've always known that it is possible because I personally have seen other people. Mm-hmm. And I think without that, right. I may have um ended up cutting my locks a long time ago, but always knew like, you know what, they made it through. And they probably face with the same type of situations I have. So it must be possible. And that's, I think that's very important. Um, so kind of in your field, one, how, how diverse would you say is it? Um, I think it depends on where you go and where you are in the country. Mm-hmm. But I think generally there are more 
you know, Caucasians, Americans who are physicians, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have, you know, the myriad scatter of like, you know, Indian um, physicians and uh, physicians or African physicians, Africans from the continent, of course, physicians. And then, um, you know, so it's kind of like, it's, 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 it can be diverse, but I think it, it you know, relatively speaking, um, it definitely depends on where you go for sure. Like there's obviously more diversity in certain parts of New York, let's say hospitals in Harlem, obviously, because, you know, because of the resident population there is, you know, it's mostly black historically. So, um, yeah, I think it depends on where you go for sure. Gotcha. Hmm. And also kind of go back, you mentioned before that we walk in, you're like, you know, you are a black man first. So just wonder when your approach to medicine, would you say, I guess, are you a doctor first or a black doctor first? I'm a doctor first. Absolutely. Doctor first. Yeah, I'm a doctor first. I'm, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to help people reach their full capacity and help mm -hmm. you. And, um, you know, so I'll never, you know, I don't, I don't, whatever that, whatever color or whatever, you know, that person, even if they don't like me, whatever that person is in front of me, you know, I'm here to help them, but I can't help, but to also have the identity of being a black doctor, because I know what I went through to get to this point. I know what people before me went through to get to that point that they were, you know, I'm following in their footsteps, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. half of the things that are in medicine today, you know, or many things, are um are attributed to you know black pioneers and black inventors you know what i'm saying so you know the mm -hmm. <laughs> so many things that almost it kind of it kind of trips you out because you're saying wow like you know i'm a doctor but you know really you know i'm a minority in this field however you know a lot of inventions in this field are are created by minorities so i can't help but to have that that i'm a black doctor in mind but but i'm a doctor first for sure Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up as well. There are a lot of uh, kind of like innovators, pioneers, and inventors that we just don't know about. I know um, last year I started making a mission to kind of learn more about because, um, mm. you know, typically we only have February or <laughs> other people teach us something. So I was like, you know, I have to start kind of every now and then just go out and learn something new. So off the top of your head, do you know of any inventions that were um, invented by Black people or any, like, innovators that um, you'd like to share? Yeah, man, Charles Duhall, Blood Bank, you know, that, that was, that's huge. And then, um, um, yeah. I, I, Charles Duhall, the Blood Bank. He, yeah, what, Blood Bank. He started the... Well, story like the blood, blood drugs? Yeah, being a... Oh, really? Blood, yeah, man, to, you know for transfusions and whatnot, which is kind of huge because it's, it's kind of like a, yeah. it's normal for us now, right? But, right. Yeah, man. Yeah, if trucks pull up to do blood drives, we're like, wow, he, that, that is huge. Yeah, that's huge. We could do a little piece on him. Nice. For sure. Um, Very cool. And uh, I was looking at recently, Daniel, yeah, I think everybody knows about him, Daniel Hell Williams, 18, it was like 1893, and he did the first mm -hmm. like successful uh, pericardium surgery. And like the patient lived like twenty years after that with no infection or nothing, and uh, oh yeah, you know I just think that you know we kind of sweep things under the rug, but that's pretty remarkable in that time because you know this brother, mm -hmm. you know ostracized from you know being able to practice medicine in any hospital because he's a black man, 
and it was illegal for black men, mm-hmm. black people to practice medicine in hospitals. And, uh, wow. you know, so he's like, he was like the first African American to join the American college of surgeons and, and whatnot. But that's what I'm saying about, about excellence. And, uh, you know, when you come into spaces, regardless of what you look like, regardless of your hair, you have to put excellence and bring value first so that mm-hmm. even if you're in a situation like 1893, we know, we know what it was like for, you know, a black man being a doctor, mm-hmm. but he, he was the first African-American to join the American cause of physicians. And, you know, that, I mean, that's just, that just speaks values, man. And, uh, you know, so he established his own hospital and, you know, and was invited to work in the Friedman, Friedman's hospital in, in Washington, DC, um, you know, way back when in, in the late 1800s. So it's like, that that aspect it doesn't matter about your hair if i'm excellent and i can solve problems i bring value you know you if it if if you discriminate against me then then i know it's just your insecurity and you know and then mm-hmm. you feel threatened which i understand because <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> wow that's interesting so kind of if you are when you are faced with kind of these I guess kind of challenges and people who do look at you in a kind of discriminatory way, you, I guess it's like thinking like that, like, okay, so you're the one who feels insecure. Does that help like kind of ease or make it kind of easier to process and keep going about your day? Yeah, man. Cause you know, you, you, you get microaggressions like in medical school, I definitely got microaggressions. Um, and you know, people don't necessarily say things out loud. Right. And mm-hmm. it, especially in that environment, because they understand the repercussions of that. But there are microaggressions mm. that you experience that you say, was that something directed at me or am I tripping or whatever? So I think you just, mm-hmm. yeah, you learn to, you know, to really just be, I think, honest and be a human being really, really comes down to it. Because I think, yeah, people are threatened and people have their guard up because they just don't know how to, generally people just don't don't know how to take a black man or a black woman they don't know how to act around you you know they don't know you know what to say you know if that's offensive or which is very strange to me because i'm a human being at the end of the day like you know you deal with your colleagues you deal with your mom you deal with your sisters you know what offends them so why wouldn't you think that mm-hmm. certain things like that offend me you know or so it's like i you know i i always try to look at someone's psychology first you know and i understand mm-hmm. when i walk in a room i might threaten you you know what i'm saying um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a muscular dude with locks and I'm not, you know, I'm not a buffoon, you know, I'm a smart dude. So I understand that you might be intimidated, but I, that's not my, my mission to intimidate you. My, you know, I'm just here to, to learn and you know what I'm saying? And to, you know, live my best life. So, yeah. So I say, if you, if you making those microaggressions or you do this, you do, I know you, you have to be insecure. You have to feel threatened mm. because you, what, what creature, you know what I'm saying? What, what other creature does that, you know, when they feel threatened, you know, they, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, cause otherwise it's, it, it would be love. It's either fear or love. So which one is it? So, um, that's kind of hard. Kind of speaks on the fight or flight method. Yeah, for real. I think there's a, yeah, for real. There's a lot, there's a lot of that going on. Oh. Man, you've dropped a lot of gems so far in this. I appreciate it all. I think um, I have a lot to learn from that, kind of the way you walk in your circles, kind of making sure you put that value first and say, hey, I'm here to solve a problem, not here to 
not anything else but a healer, kind of as you mentioned before. Mm. Um, I wanted to present a couple kind of scenarios to you, and you've kind of spoke on it already, but just to kind of go more in depth. Sure. Um, so, like recently, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but recently, like um, Andrew Johnson, who's a high school wrestler mm. who was getting ready to um, kind of begin that match, and right before the referee told him that in order to continue, you had to cut your hair, you had locks. Right. Um, so my question with you is, have you been faced with the ultimatum like this regarding your hair? You know, I have to say that I never, I never have, never. Mm-hmm. Do I say anything about it? I had one colleague say something about cutting my hair for interview processes, but I, and I held my tongue of what I really wanted to say, but, um, no, nah, I don't think, I don't think anybody, you know, nobody ever has, man. And that could be contributed, attributed to the area that i'm in i'm sure if i was mm-hmm. you know in, in certain other areas they might have asked me but my answer would it always would be no yeah. absolutely so we're faced with like a opportunity to advance in your career kind of get that dream job or position but in order to do so you had to cut you would still say no nope. i'm not cutting my hair because this this is the thing about power man if i got if if i have to ask you for something that's not true power you know what i'm saying and um, why, you know, why should I have to sacrifice myself and who I really am and my values and what I deem important? Because it's not just about hair, but it's about the principle, the fact that I have to change myself to fit into your paradigm. And that, that's, just not, that's just not how I think, not how I was raised. And fortunately, I had a father who, you know, who had locks and was in these spaces with, you know, with these people because he was also, you know, a contractor and, you know, and... Uh, so it's like, no, I absolutely not. I don't need to change myself. What I'm bringing to the table is what I'm bringing to the table. If you you can accept it, you can leave it. If if you were if if I'm <laughs> have to change myself, there is somewhere else that I can be that I can be completely myself and give what I need to give. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I don't feel like if for anybody in those situations, if they say you have to do this or do that, you know, this is not. You know, this is this is the age of technology, man. This is the age of self sufficiency, and there's just too many ways to, to you know, have the means to live well. You know what I'm saying? This is not the 19, you know, 1910 or 1920, um, and even then, you know, there was segregation. So you know, you know, in our spaces, um, we looked how we looked, but in their space, mm-hmm. we could try to go in their spaces. They want, you know, there's a there's a aspect of conformity that is expected, but uh, no, absolutely not, man. We're taking a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Just Black. Just Black is a new Black-owned apparel company designed to uplift humanity and create opportunities for the Black community. Visit www.justblack.co and place your order today. That is www.justblk.co. Thank you. Now back to our show. Mm. That's interesting. I like what you said about this is the age of self-sufficiency. Kind of, um, we do have more options, things like that. And maybe this path may be an ultimate path, like amazing, but I guess you're right. You know, if you have to ask for kind of permission in a way that's maybe not all what it seems to be. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Now the other um, 
the thing I wanted to ask you is, so to kind of base it, back in 2016, there was this big kind of court ruling. Um, this lady was not hired because of her hair. She kind of brought it up with the Equal Opportunity um, Commission. Right. But anyway, the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals basically ruled that um, um, deciding not to hire someone based on their locks is legal. And that was three years ago, but till this day, it still is legal for companies to not hire someone based on their hair. Yeah. So kind of with that, with that in mind, I guess, what advice would you give to someone with natural hair who is looking for that job or advancement in their career? Mm, don't change yourself. Don't change yourself. I think I just, I just, I mean, I'm really like... I just feel like we always, throughout history, you know, at least in, in the last 100 or 200 years, we always have to change ourselves to fit somebody else's idea of what is beautiful or what is right or, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know, innately, you know, you are beautiful. The way your hair grows is beautiful. Of course, maintain it. Of course, moisturize it. Of course, make sure it looks neat. But don't change, don't don't add chemicals to it to make it look like somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Because that's just not, that's just not true. Your truth is how, you know, what you were given as you came into this world. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're going to leave with anyway. And you can't take anything else with you. <laughs> so, so it's like, no, man, no, 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 no. Live, you know, be excellent, bring value, be professional, you know, carry yourself with respect and dignity. And if a car, a company does, doesn't want to hire you, you know what? You turn your head, you start your own thing or you find another company because the thing is like, you know, if, if they want you to change your hair just to be hired, what else are they going to want you to change? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they want to create a worker bee. They want you to take off, you know, your clothes and, and then put you in this same gown that everybody else is wearing. But, you know, that's that kind of company um, mentality. And I, I get that because they want everybody to be uniform. But that's just not mm-hmm. that we don't have to do that, and I think we should stop doing that. And if we stop doing that, regardless if it's legal, quote unquote, legal or not, you know, value is value, excellence is excellence, and people want value, people want excellence because excellence and value creates profit. And when it really, when it comes to the bottom line, that's the language that a lot of companies speak. It's just that profit. So. They're going to want someone who is excellent because the thing is other races come and get hired with purple hair, pink hair, all types of piercings, you know what I'm saying? Especially in this age. Mm -hmm. So what, so why, so why is my hair that's neat, that's natural? Why does that pose such a problem? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's one of the questions that we really have to ask ourselves. And I think the answer is because, you know, it, it, it allows us to to be who exactly who we are, you know, to be powerful, to be free, you know, to be, you know, um, intellectually dominant, you know, because when our hair is the, the exactly the way it's supposed to be, meaning our mind is exactly the way it's supposed to be, which is, you know, spiritually dominant, you know, like we see it through history, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think it's that element trying to keep you in a box to... Mm-hmm. to uh forget that you're you know that that you're a godly being <laughs> that's how i feel honestly yeah i love that answer 100 percent. yeah you're you're right i guess at the bottom line really the company just needs to make a profit so if there's anything else 
kind of holding them back from hiring someone with that value. It is kind of based on what you said before, insecurities with that. Man, very nice. So um, you also mentioned a little bit about professionalism, and that's actually kind of our, kind of in short, one of our missions is to really redefine professionalism, mm. kind of go at it. We talked about diversity, inclusion, and natural hair. Um, locks are kind of our main focus, but it's kind of bigger than that. Uh, so kind of to go back to professionalism, what does professionalism mean to you? I mean, I mean it means a couple of things. And I think, um, you know, there's the self aspect is like how you present yourself, um, you know, what you bring to the table, showing up on time, being well-groomed, um, you know, being excellent, you know, being about your word, communicating well. You know what I'm saying? Like those those things in which you present for carry yourself with respect and dignity in a professional environment. Um, and then there's an aspect of dealing with your your colleagues in, a res in respectful ways, you know, being able to deal with conflicts, um, um, having compassion for people, having work ethic, you know what I'm saying? And I, th I think that those things are like very important um, because in that professional environment, you want to create an environment that, um, you know, I guess for lack of better terms, it's kosher, you know? Um, mm. So you want to you speak in a way uh, that conveys that you are about business and that you mean business, you know, and, you know, for, I think that for, uh, um, an African-American individual, a black individual, it, uh, it's very important how you present yourself and how you carry yourself in spaces, because, you know, if you're, you're, if you're in a space where you're the minority, you may not think so, but everybody's got their eyes on you because generally, you know, just not in those kind of spaces and, you know, people may not be around um you know black people that much in those spaces like i you know i interviewed um at certain uh residency programs and you know my locks are like down to my you know down my back but the other interviewees are pretty standard interviews you know what i'm saying so i'm the i one out but i know to carry myself in a specific manner because you know, it, there are there are already ju judgments and assumptions going on, you know, in people's heads about, you know, how you act or, you know, you know, what does it mean? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think the way you carry mm -hmm. yourself, the way you work in the, in the environment, you know, is, is professionalism and, and it needs to be to the to the highest tier. You know, you need to carry yourself with respect and dignity, you know, be about your work, be able to resolve conflicts, um, you know. Uh, respectfully and, and peacefully. And I think those things are really important um, because you're always going to have those things in the workplace. You're, you're going to have conflicts. You know, you're you're going to be looked at uh, how well you perform and not only how well you perform, how you carry yourself, how you, and especially in medicine, how you deal with patients, really, when it comes down to it. That's, that's kind of how you're judged as a doctor. Like, sure, you know, okay, you're a great doctor. You make you know, you make these very rare diagnoses, you know, and all these, all that. But really when it comes down to it, like what your patients say about you is really important. You know what I'm saying? Because they're the people you're servicing. So you at the end of the day you want them to be like, you know, my doctor's very good. He's very professional. He has great bedside manner. That's a you know, that's a huge thing. You know what I'm saying? So and as a medical student, those things were said about me, like he has great bedside manner, you know, carries himself very well, well liked by patients and staff. Well, the, and to me, that's professionalism and that has nothing to do with my hair. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that just has to do with my character. And I think that that's, that's what I'm trying to say is that that character is really 
the most important thing when it comes down to it. And I think that's, that, that goes hand in hand with professionalism. Mm, you're right. I guess it really doesn't have anything to do with your hair, kind of your character, being able to handle conflict, respect to your uh, colleagues, um, presenting yourself. Uh, quick question. Would you say that meditation or maybe the practice or since you practice meditation so much, it helps you to resolve conflicts? Yeah, absolutely, man. Man, if that's, if, yo, that's, that's like a great question because, I mean, I think it's so easy to get blown up in conflicts and to not you know, to look at them from an emotional lens while you're in one or whatever. But I think that one thing that meditation has taught me is how to respond, and, or, uh, you know, in a opposition to reacting because, mm. you know, and I'm st it's still obviously a work in progress because, you know, you sometimes you get caught off guard, but in the moments where, you know, you're, you're in a meditative mind state, which you, which you hope to have all day. Um, it's like, you, you know, you take a moment, you assess the situation and you respond you don't respond at emotion out of emotion and i think that's the thing that makes conflict um really just kind of like you know go down a, a a negative path is that people respond out of emotion and um, mm. and just react to what they think a person is saying or they react to um something inside them that is triggered by what a person says you know what i'm saying rather than um, looking at the situation objectively and saying, "Hey, you know what? I felt like, like what you did made made me feel this way." You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm not saying that you're a bad person, but your behavior to me in that moment was toxic. Or my, I understand that my behavior was toxic, and I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like that, that ability just to, to be very objective and be very honest and frank. And I think that meditation really allows you to do that because it kind of you know, allows you to have more control over your ego. And, you know, and I think that the ego can kind of blind you and make you feel like you're always right. Or, you know, you, you know, that you have to defend yourself when really, you know, you just have to uphold truth. And I think that's the most important thing, your, your own truth. And, you know, of course, having compassion and having love for people. But I think, uh, that's what meditation has always done for me is just allow me to respond nice. and really uphold my own truth. Yeah. Nice. And you, you brought up something as well. It's interesting kind of ego. And I'm sorry to think about like ego versus confidence. Cause it's, I feel like sometimes they're kind of like a parallel line, but then there are that kind of distinct differences. So um, what? Like, do you have any thoughts on like kind of the ego versus confidence and how you can yeah. really yeah. Um, still present yourself in a confident yeah. manner without kind of strictly thinking I'm right type of thing? Like where, how do you balance the two? Yeah, no, that's, that man, that's a, that's a daily struggle, man. That's a great question. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're always, yeah, I think it's, I think it's being balanced though. I think you could be confident without being egotistical, right? Because I think that being balanced and being confident is like, I know my abilities. I may not be right all the time, but I'll present myself, you know, the best way. And if I'm wrong, it's you know, me being wrong has nothing to do with my self-worth. And I think that's where we kind of go wrong. It's like, you know, being right has to do with your self-worth. You know what I'm saying? To an extent, mm -hmm. sure, you want to you wanna have some kind of grip over your reality. You know, you want to make good decisions. But being right all the time is not necessarily uh, having you know, good self-worth, because if you're right all the time, you're not learning anything. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not out there. You're not being exposed to that much because if you're right all the time, then 
then therefore you know everything, right? But nobody knows everything. You know what I'm saying? You're always learning. So you can't be right all the time. So I think it's, it's, the, it's the perspective that you have, you know, because being egotistical mm-hmm. is just not allowing yourself to, to, to see both sides or multiple sides of, of a reality that you're in. You know what I'm saying? So when you're egotistical, typically you only see your side. But when you allow yourself to have like some objectiveness, then you can see multiple sides. And that really gives you more confidence because then you can make decisions that are more informed and, you know, Mm. or you can make actions that are more informed. It's like, okay, I'm dealing with this person or this patient might feel, you know, this way about me and how I spoke to her rather than saying, you know, well, she needed to do this. And there's, you know, I'm not apologizing for how I spoke to her. Like, no, you should always speak to a person in a compassionate way. Like, you know, but of course, you know, we slip up and we make mistakes, but to me, that's just the goal. And the, to me, that's power. You know what I'm saying? Being able to control your actions and to, you know, to be compassionate, to give compassion to all people. Cause that's what we talk about. Right. When we're talking about, you know, religious text and all that, right. We talk about, we talk about compassion, really, you know, regardless of what people do, giving that compassion, because what they do is really a reflection of their environment on, you know, on the inside rather than really us. So to me, that goes kind of hand in hand with like ego and confidence, because, you know, confidence is, you know, just your, your, your self-worth really when it comes down to it, you know, how you feel inside, but really your self-worth should come from your connection with spirit, your connection with God, you know, your connection with your own self rather than having ego. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm this over this person. You know what I'm saying? It's just more like comparison. It's really just something that we all have to deal with every day. work on improving each day nice kind of empathy compassion that really ends up leading to confidence i like that answer thank you appreciate you so yeah um so i guess really i know um i appreciate you taking the time so I just have two kind of quick questions for you sure. um what is there a particular hairstyle that you like um like having your locks in like either it's like kind of up or just <laughs> hanging down like how do you wear it when you walk into work um i typically wear it i i mean i don't like my hair on my face but i always wear it back in a ponytail um yeah there are sometimes where i'll put it in a bun but ponytail always mm-hmm. back you know slick you know just back that's how i, I love it I, I i don't change that my hair is always back in a ponytail so oh yeah that's a go-to yeah yeah you know, you know. nice nice Nice. And do you do your hair yourself or I, I, do you have like a hairstyle? I do not. I do not. I, uh, sometimes I go to a shop, but uh, you know, well, one of my best friends does my hair. So, um, you know, oh, she's, yeah. yeah, she's always, <laughs> she's always doing my hair and I'm asking her to do my hair. So, you know, um, part of the neatness and, you know, and how it looks is a tribute to her. Shout out to her. She's a wonderful woman. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, nice. yeah, yeah. And she does it professionally. Uh, no, actually, but she's just the type of person who can pick up something and, and, and do it very well. So, okay. uh, yeah, so, yeah, man. Yeah, shout out to her. It's good to have good friends. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Very nice. So, it's lastly, and then we'll kind of end it on here. What message would you give to others about natural hair? Um, either people who wear it or people who are just not of that world and know nothing about it. Um, what would you like to say to everyone? 
man just 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 live in truth live your truth you know don't change yourself for anybody you know be so unapologetically yourself that others have to bend to your will into your truth you know um your natural hair is beautiful you know what i'm saying all around the world people want you to change how beautiful you are to look like them so they can feel more comfortable you know what i'm saying you you wearing anything else that is not your natural hair is just making them feel more comfortable around you really when it comes down to it and uh we shouldn't do that you know we should be unapologetically yourself your hair is beautiful you know what i'm saying nobody else's hair can do the things that our hair can do you know locks Mm -hmm. braids all these hairstyles that you you know that just you know we say defy gravity but really you know we literally can do anything with the hair you know what i'm saying so i mean we're living in an age where it's just like teach your teach your brothers and sisters and daughters and sons just to you know be themselves what they have on their head naturally is beautiful it is there is no other alternative you know what i'm saying like nah just be excellent just you know whatever you do do it with so much so much power and excellence that it ain't even about your hair anymore. You know, it's about, wow. It, 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 it becomes, wow, this person has, has locks and they can do that. You know what I'm saying? That's what people should be saying. Like, wow, mm-hmm. dude, that's, that's, you must be a heavy dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, man, I, that, that's, that's what I say. Be you unapologetically. Man, that's another great answer. Love it. Man, well, thank you, Dr. Abbasi Bomani, for taking the time to share with us, share your life, share your journey, and also if there's anything we can do to kind of help you out in your journey when you kind of make it to where you are, let us know because we'd love to support. Man, I just appreciate you reaching out and, uh, you know, allowing me to just share, you know, share myself and share my ideas, man, and just building with you. I appreciate that for sure. It's, it's, It's been great. Thank you for joining us today. We're here to redefine professionalism by proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now, if you like today's episode, please go find us on your favorite podcasting app to subscribe to our show so you don't miss the very next episode that is coming very soon. Um, You can search for Boss Locks. That is B-O-S-S-L-O-C-K-S. You can also join our um, community by finding us on all of our social media platforms Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even LinkedIn. Uh, if you do a search for Boss Locks, that's B O S S L O C K S. Thank you, and we will see you next time.